and good afternoon or good morning or good evening whatever time it is you may be listening to this welcome to this podition of here i stand my name is stephen long and i am the voice behind the microphone i just wanted to do a quick uh quick update a quick podition this isn't going to be very long I just want to fill you in on a couple of things here. Uh, I'm going to, from this point on, have to keep my uh, podcast down to about 30 minutes or so. I've been having uh, a lot of trouble uploading to one of the podcast servers. And unfortunately, the other one, the other podcast server that I use, only allows me to upload 30 megabytes at a time. So I've been having a lot of trouble with that. So I'm going to try and keep it under 30 minutes so that way I will be able to upload it and uh, hopefully everything will go smooth after this but what I want to do over the next couple of uh, auditions here I would like to uh, address the subject of unconditional election and this is a very hot button topic in uh, evangelical circles today it's uh, it's on the table a lot and uh, it's just an issue that I think needs to be addressed so over the next uh, couple of auditions here, we're going to look at unconditional election, and we're going to look at some things that have to do with election. And I actually have a format here that we're going to follow. And the first thing we're going to attempt to do is define unconditional election, just exactly what it is, uh, what does it entail, everything pretty much of what unconditional election is. Of course, I'm just going to give a brief definition of it when we do it. Uh, and I found that the best way to do this is to ask the same kind of questions that I had about unconditional election when, uh, when I was going back and forth with embracing Reformed theology or not. And there was a few questions that came to my mind, and uh, I figured the best way to really tackle this issue is just to go over these questions and kind of pr- throw them out there and present them. And I certainly would appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you want to get hold of me, my, uh, my email is hereistand.podcast at gmail.com. So uh, you can drop me a line there if you have any questions, comments, any kind of feedback, especially through this, uh, through this little mini-series that we're going through. <clears throat> uh, again, it is a very, very important topic in the church today. So uh, I think it needs to be discussed. And I think people really need to understand what unconditional election is, what it means to be elected. There are so many people out there that uh, that really have a wrong view of what unconditional election is, and and really they just have a wrong view of of the doctrines of grace in general. Uh, I think I said it in the very first audition that I did, but there are a lot of people out there who purposely misrepresent Reformed theology, the Calvinist side. Or they do it ignorantly, and they don't realize it. And one of those topics is unconditional election. Now, I don't know what it is that scares people about the sovereignty of God, uh, especially in this area. Most people would you know, have no problem admitting that God is sovereign over everything. But when you come to this one particular issue of salvation, it's, whoa, wait a minute. God's not sovereign over that. He kind of backs off. And uh, lets us have our own free will, you know, because, hey, if we don't have our own free will, then we're just all going to be a bunch of robots. Well, that's a really misconception 
about uh, unconditional election. And, and really, when you think about it, it, you're not really giving God the glory when you say things like that. Because is God not capable of leaving man's will intact? Is God not capable of leaving man's emotions and intellect and, and his personality intact? Well, those are some of the issues that we're going to be looking at as we go over this little series of unconditional election here. And so that's just one of the things. Uh, and, and again, we're going to follow a format and uh, ask a few questions. Well, of course, we're going to define unconditional election. But one of the other questions we're going to look at is, is unconditional election taught in Scripture? Is it unambiguous? Is there enough places in the Scriptures that we can look at and say without a doubt, yes, this teaches unconditional election? So that's the first thing we have to establish. We have to establish whether it is scriptural or not. And when I say scriptural, I don't mean looking at a passage and say, well, this looks like it might be teaching it. Uh, not really sure. If the scripture teaches unconditional election, it will be prevalent throughout all of the scriptures. And so we're going to look at the scriptures and see whether the Bible actually teaches unconditional election or not. Uh, the next question we're going to deal with is this. If unconditional election is taught in the Bible, does it violate God's character? Now, this is probably the most important issue and topic that comes up in Christianity today. A lot of people say if God unconditionally elects people, i.e. he elects some for salvation and passes over others to leave them for their uh, own just, just and judgments, and pay for their own sins, and that means God's unfair, and therefore God would never do anything to violate His character. <clears throat> well, we're going to look at that, and uh, we're we're going to see if unconditional election does violate God's character or not. Uh, the next thing we're going to tackle is does unconditional does unconditional election mean double predestination, i.e., God predestines certain people to heaven, certain people to damnation. Uh, again, I think it's a m common misconception that people have about Calvinism. Uh, I, I'm, certainly there are probably Calvinists out there that do believe that God damns people to hell uh, purposely and uh, you know without any kind of uh, purpose behind it. So we're going to look at that issue as well. And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to take some other common objections uh, to unconditional election. And I'm going to try to give provide a biblical answer for it. So we've got a, just a couple. I don't know how long it's going to take. I wish I could give a definitive time on how many episodes we're going to do on this, but I don't know. We may be able to answer one question at a time, thus making it four episodes, or we may be able to answer two at a time, making it two. And I don't know. We'll just see. But uh, the Bible has a lot to say about the subject, and unconditional election is really in my opinion, it's the most important doctrine, the doctrine of grace. And the reason why I believe that is because anytime you begin to interject something with your own salvation, no matter how small it is, even if, even if it is something as small as my faith, well, I believe and therefore God accepted me. Anytime we begin to do that, we detract from God's glory. And we began to interject our own glory. You know, if I have something to boast about, even if God did 99% of the work and I did something as small as believe, well, you know what? I've got a reason to boast. I've got a reason to say, well, hey, God saved me most of the way, but I took that last step.
Oh, it was me that did it. So this is really, really an important issue. This is something that needs to be looked at. Uh, it's just something that's that's in the church. A lot of people are being taught that they do have their own ability to be saved. And uh, again, I say if it's something even as small as quote-unquote faith, personal faith, then we have something to boast about. So over the next few auditions, we're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to examine unconditional election from the scriptures. We're going to take it little by little and look at these verses. And uh, these are some of the same questions that I wrestled with. And these were some of the same questions that came up in my mind when I began to uh, look at Reformed theology and whether Reformed theology was correct or whether it was her was a heresy and uh but what i want to do right now is i just want to briefly look at the freedom of god and doing whatever god wishes to do and uh that scares to death out of some people i mean does it scare you that god has that much freedom to do whatever he wishes to do and there's absolutely nothing that you can do to stop him you know, it sounds bad to say that, and it sounds uh, almost fatalistic in a sense. Which, by the way, is what some people would deem Calvinism as. They would deem it as fatalistic, almost like the Islam, Islam, the God of Islam. And if you look at uh, the God of Islam, it varies greatly differently from uh, from the Calvinist God. But there are some Arminians out there that would especially love for you to believe that uh, Calvinism is a fatalistic view of God and therefore should be rejected. But let me go ahead and clear that up right now. I've had uh, had some experience witnessing the Muslims and, and uh, dialoguing with them on certain subjects. And of course, uh, God is one of them, you know, the nature of God. The Islamic view of God is that you could do everything right. doesn't matter, you know, you could obey God down to the T, but on Judgment Day, you know, you can come to God on His terms and do what He tells you to do, but on Judgment Day, the Islam God, Allah, can throw you into hell at any time, and you have no right to question it. Okay, that views very, very differently than Calvinist. Okay, the Calvinist view of God is that we do come to God on His terms, but when we come to God on His terms, there is grace and there is mercy. So Calvinism is not quite a fatalistic view, or at least not the way that uh, some Arminians would have you to believe it. But this issue with the freedom of God is another issue that needs to be addressed, simply because there are a lot of people out there that, well, frankly, they don't like the fact that God has control over their salvation and they want to somehow contribute to their salvation they want somehow to add to it in any way in some way some shape or some form even if it's something as small as belief or faith they want to be able to add to it and again I believe the Bible is very very clear about who is the author of salvation and that God is the one that decides who he's going to extend grace to and who he is not. And this really bothers some people. Well, hey, I mean, hey, it used to bother me. So what is it that bothers people about the freedom and the sovereignty of God? And the answer is simple. The answer is that simply 
people feel that if their sense of justice is pricked somehow, then that means certainly God's sense of justice also must be disturbed. And so when it comes to an issue like this, their thinking is, well, hey, if I feel it's unfair, and me being a mere creature feels it's unfair, then certainly God would have to agree that it's unfair too, because God would never do anything to violate his character. Well, the problem with that is that we assume that we know what fair is and fair is not. And from a human standpoint, it doesn't seem fair. But then again, whoever said grace was fair? Grace is something that God extends. If God obligated himself to every single individual person in the whole world the exact same way, then could we really call it grace? It would no longer be grace. It would be an obligation that God has in order to extend the exact same amount of you know, saving grace to every individual as if he did to, you know, some individuals. And so the freedom of God and salvation is something that we really need to consider. It's something that needs to be <clears throat> looked at seriously. And maybe if it bothers us to such a degree where we find ourselves getting angry over it, maybe we should just really stop and pray and ask God why we're bothered about that. You know, why does it bother us so much that... God controls everything and we have no say so. Well, for some people, it's a big deal. But uh, over the next few episodes, as we look at uh, unconditional election, I'm hoping to present a biblical case for unconditional election and I'm hoping to defend it. And I believe it is a doctrine that needs to be defended. I believe it is a doctrine that needs to be discussed. And so again, I offer that if you have any questions, objections, feedback, comments, please drop me a line. Here I stand dot podcast at gmail.com. So until the next episode, thank you for listening in and be sure to listen for the next few uh few podditions of Here I Stand when we tackle this issue of unconditional election. Thank you and have a great week.